0: we're in a series of messages to the book of Nehemiah asking what can I do what is it that I can do how can I serve the church we're in the middle of our 50 days of prayer and fasting I hope that your fast is going well if you've fallen off and and messed up in the fast start back where you left off and just get back on the horse and, and keep riding and we're trusting God for some big things some mighty things, some awesome things in these 50 days of prayer and fasting Today we're in Nehemiah chapter 4 and I want to speak to you on a topic that, as I said during the time of testimony, it wasn't really something that was mentioned in church five, ten years ago. Talking about disappointments, talking about failures, I I want to talk about discouragement, I want to talk about depression today. You know, people tell us that, uh, we, we used to hear that if you're depressed as a Christian, if you're discouraged as a Christian, there's something wrong with you. That, that uh, you don't have enough faith or you need to be saved or you need to do this or you need to do that. And the reality is that, that depression and, and, and heartache and, and, and difficulties, it happens to all of us, right? I mean, I, I'm speaking to, to, to people today who are here, who are watching online, and and, and, and you're in the middle maybe of discouragement, or, or you're, you're coming into a time of depression, or, 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 or you're uh, about to go into some disappointments in life, and, and life has a series of, of all of these things, and God's Word is so awesome because it, it helps us to deal uh, with the, these areas of life, the, these areas that, that are often set or off limits, and I believe that that's part of the problem that that the church has encountered is that we, we so wanted to just put a band-aid over these issues and, and over depression and over disappointments and, and only talk about the good. And people were like, wait a minute, you're completely missing where I'm at and there's something wrong with me. And, and so we start saying, well, then there has to be something wrong with, with our God and, and things begin to spiral out of control. You see, the truth is that that even the great men and women of the faith in the Bible face disappointments and, and heartaches and, and discouragements and even depression. Biblical heroes like Moses and Elijah, Jonah, David, Peter and others, they, they all faced uh, these times of discouragement and, and disappointments, and yes, even depression. So no matter where you find yourself at today, whether you're coming in it, whether you're in the middle of it or coming out of it, uh, I, I hope that you will listen to what God's Word has to say. Now this is not a, a pop class on psychology that I'm going to be offering to you and, and say that this is, this is a Freudian look at, at depression. That's, that's not the point of this. Uh, also we're not going to be able to but just scratch the surface you know god's word is so practical it it deals with these real issues of life and and here in the book of nehemiah we find four reasons that that cause depression and then we find four answers to our depression and so we're going to talk about uh these today please stand in the honor of reading god's word and let's see what nehemiah has to say here in nehemiah chapter 4 the wall is halfway built it's 50 percent done now let's see what happens verse 1 Now when Sambalot heard that they were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers in the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish it up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, yes, what are they building? If a fox goes up on on it, he'll break the wall, their stone wall. Here, O our God, this is a prayer now, Nehemiah prays. Here, O our God, we are despised, turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they're captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. But when Sambalot and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward... And the breaches were beginning to be closed. They were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. Verse 10. In Judah it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves we will not be able to rebuild this wall. And our enemies said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. So on the lowest parts of the space behind the wall and other and open places, I stationed the people by their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows, and I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Father, we thank you for this word. And Lord, I pray that we will not play the church game today. But Father, we will be very real and very honest. Speak to us today. We ask from your word in Jesus' name. We pray. All of God's people said, "Please be seated." Let's first of all define discouragement. Let's define disappointment. Let's define. Uh, 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 let's define this. What are some things? How how is it that we can define this? Well, first of all, uh, discouragement can be defined through unconstructive criticism, through unconstructive criticism. Now, there is constructive criticism that God uses to build the body, and we all need people uh, to speak into our life, and not all criticism is bad. A lot of criticism that that is shared is good. It's constructive. It builds you up, but oftentimes what happens in the church is not, we don't receive constructive criticism. We receive unconstructive criticism. Unconstructive criticism. You, You know what the difference is between constructive criticism and unconstructive criticism? Constructive criticism is given in order to build another person up. Unconstructive criticism is given to build yourself. So if you're going to criticize and your intent is to build the other person up and to provide uh, help to them, then, then that's constructive criticism. But if your ultimate goal is to build up your base or to build up your ego or to build up your point in, in, uh, while tearing and, and uh, uh, pull, pulling down someone else, then that is unconstructive criticism criticism. We see this in the church all the time. One example that, that I can give that, that resonates because it happens in the church is, is I hear from time to time, preacher, why don't we just sing the hymns of the faith? Why, why don't we just sing the old, hymns and, 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 and I love the old hymns? And and I love the old hymns, and I love the old hymns too, but, but let's not sing all that new stuff, and let's only sing the, the old hymns. And we, we go around and we share this with other people, and listen, we think that this is constructive, but it's not constructive, because you're not building the body, you're being unconstructive, you're hurting the body. You see, the reality is that when we talk about unconstructive criticism, unconstructive criticism, no matter how sincere you may be, it doesn't build the body, it, it hurts the body. Unconstructive criticism is a tool of Satan himself. This is what happens in our text right here. These enemies of Israel, they're, ta- they're, they're, they're taunting, they're trash-talking. Uh, one of them says, they're building the wall. If this little old fox jumps off this wall, the wall's going to crumble down. Who do these feeble—the word feeble there means worthless. Who do these worthless, pitiful Jews think they are? Unconstructive criticism. They jeered at them. They mocked them. they, they laughed at them. They criticized them. Criticism can be harmless. It's—it's it's like George Bernard Shaw, the—the—the the, the famous playwright. He—he he wrote a letter to Sir Winston Churchill, and he—he he said, "I'm—I'm I'm enclosing, Sir Winston Churchill, I'm enclosing two tickets to the first night of my new play." He said, dot, 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 bring a friend if you have one. Well, never to be outdone, Churchill responded and he wrote a letter back. He said, uh, "He said, George Shaw, I can't possibly attend the first night, but I will attend the second night, dot, 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 if there is one. <laughs> well, that's laughable, but, but let's be honest, if you're on the receiving end of, of criticism, it's not laughable, is it? If you're on the brunt end of criticism, it's no laughing matter. If you're on the, the wrong end of a slur or a slander or a rumor, if you're facing criticism, it can be difficult. And many people can become discouraged. You can become depressed because of the unconstructive criticism of others. Even people that are close to you who, who are offering this and, and they can pull you down. The second type of of discouragement that we see here in our text, not only do we see unconstructive criticism, but we also see a personal punishment. What leads us to a place of of discouragement? What leads us to a place of depression? Oftentimes, it's our own self. It's our our own personal punishment. The Bible says in verse 10 that Judah, of the 12 tribes of Israel, Judah was failing. Judah said, "I, I don't have enough strength. You see, one of the biggest tools the enemy uses to cause disappointment, discouragement, depression is self-doubt. Self-deprecation. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I can't handle this. You see, when you experience loss and you have a defeat in life, what Satan tries to do is he tries to, to, to cause you to punish yourself, and and so one loss begins to be compiled, another loss, and another loss, and another loss, And, and before long, you're under this pile of losses, and you cannot get out from under it, because you keep telling yourself, you're no good, you're not worthy, and what is happening to you, you deserve. Personal punishment, you don't feel worthy, you don't feel good enough. These Jews, they said, we can't build the wall, I'm a failure. That's what Judah was saying. But what does God say about Judah? I want you to get the picture here. Don't, don't miss this. You see, Judah Judah was the strongest tribe of all of Israel. We know that Judah, of all the 12 tribes, Judah was the strongest. Also, what do we know about Judah. It was through Judah that the Messiah would come. Not only were they the physically strongest, not only were they the most numerically strongest, but they were also the ones that the promise of the Messiah, the lion of the tribe of Judah, will come from this group. You see, while they kept saying, I'm a failure, I can't do this, the whole time they had all the potential in the world they were buying into the lie saying, now, we're going to get to how to defeat discouragement in just a moment, but let me give you this glimmer of hope. Because you see, what I find in Christians so often, the discouragement, the disappointments, even, yes, the depression that you experience and that you face, oftentimes you're heaping it upon yourself. I'm no good. I'm unworthy. I'm getting what I deserve. You stop that right. Because when you start doing this, when when, when you start punishing yourself, what are you saying about God? In the book of Genesis, the Bible says when he created man, he created his greatest creation. He created him in the image of God. When you lessen yourself, you're lessening God. God said, You are special, God said, You are somebody. I said this week after week, and and it's so true. And I want you to hear this. Let me speak into your life just a moment. You are unique. You are special. I don't care what your dad or your mom or your aunt or your uncle, your grandparents told you. You are special. You do have a purpose. God has a wonderful plan for you. And when you, when you lessen yourself, when you say, I'm nobody, I'm getting what I deserve, you're completely missing the point. Number three is emotional exhaustion. What leads us to depression? What leads us to disappointments? Oftentimes when you're emotionally exhausted. You see the rubbish, the remains, the garbage of the past was laying around. The broken walls, the broken gates, the, 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 the burn gates, all this debris was around them. They're, they're, they're trying to build through the rubbish. And they said, there's too much rubbish here. We, we're unable to build the wall. Where do we start? You see, the rubbish was a reminder of past failures. As they were building the wall, they were building around all the broken pieces and all the burned wall and all the burned gates. And, and as they were building the wall, you would think, guys, just build the wall, it's okay. It's okay, Don't for, just forget about the past and just build for the present. Get ready for the future. But for those of you who, like me, have experienced disappointments and depressions of life, when I'm talking about depression, I'm not talking about I'm depressed because the Vols got beat by Alabama last, last night. I, I'm not talking about that kind of depression, right? I, I'm talking about real depression. I'm talking about not wanting to get out of bed depression. I'm talking about, I'm talking about, you know, if something doesn't change, this is the end kind of depression. I don't know, not everybody deals with that, but at some point or or in your life, you're going to come up against this. It's going to happen. And oftentimes it happens because we we work and we work and we work and and, and, and understand that depression. Debris and discouragement. They're Siamese twins. You can get so caught up in the garbage of the past that you cannot move forward today. That's what happened to these Jews. They got so caught up in in all of the rubble. We can't do this. Look at all this debris. Where do we start? How do we even get going? Now, we know that we don't make decisions based off of emotions, but there's no denying our emotions. And when discouragement and depression and and disappointments come, oftentimes it's because of exhaustion. I'm tired. I can't lift up these rocks anymore. I don't see any way out of this. I'm not happy anymore. Maybe you say, I I look at my marriage and, and my marriage is in rubbles and I don't know where to start to try to fix it. My career is in shambles. My family, my life. I I look all around me and all I see are broken walls. And frankly, pastor, I feel like I'm these people in these verses. I have no clue where to start. I don't even know where to start. I don't have anything else to give. I've given, I've given, I've given, and all I see are problems, and I have not the strength to fight any more emotional Exhaustion, the fourth area that the enemy uses to fight against us is fear of failure. That's verse 11. There was failure. They said, we can't do this. They, they lost their confidence. They lost their faith. They felt inadequate. They said, we, we're not able. Just look at all this garbage. Look at all this debris. And maybe you're looking at your own life and trying to build your life for good and for God. And you're thinking, well, my health is failing. What am I going to do? My marriage is failed. What about the debris? What about the remains, the the reminders of the past? Maybe your career has failed. All these dreams, all those aspirations. Some of you men are are at a midlife crisis. The wall half built, just as the wall was half built here. Your wall is half built. You're, You're halfway through your life, and you're looking back to the past of your life, and you're saying, I'm not where I thought I would be. The answer is not to just throw it all away and start new. We can get caught up in this fear of failure. Perhaps your faith has failed. Maybe you came to Christ and you had every intention to live for Jesus and to experience the fullness of the Christian life. Maybe you failed God and you feel badly about it. You look at your life and you say, I don't even know know if I can go on anymore. Look at all this debris. Look at all this rubbish and discouragement attacks. Verse 11 tells us the adversary has said that they'll, ne- they'll neither know nor see anything until they come against us in the midst and kill us all. You see, there's the fear of failure, the fear of death, and, of course, the problem with fear and discouragement, depression, is it's contagious. The fear of failure is contagious. It's infectious. When, when failure and losing gets caught up in a camp of people, it, it spreads like wildfire. We can't do this. You're right. We can't do this. So Nehemiah knew this, and he squashed. He said, all right, with with these four attacks, the enemy just attacked them. Depression, discouragement, defied. Now let's see what the answers are. Let's see how we can defeat discouragement. How is it we can defeat discouragement? Well, first of all, we have to look up. We have to look up. The Bible says in verses 4, 5, and also in verse 9, he's praying. He says, hear, O God. When you're down, look up. That's what Nehemiah did. He prayed a prayer. And it wasn't one of these casual prayers, but he was crying out to God. He said, hear, O God, this is verse 4, for we are despised. And then he went on to tell the Lord about his enemies. You see, Nehemiah... He didn't spend time, he didn't waste time diverting from the task, dealing with the criticism, all the unconstructive criticism, the, 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 the personal attacks. He, he didn't deal with any of that. You know what he did? He went over his enemies' heads and he went straight to God. You know, we tell little Abigail, we say, Abby, you don't need to be a tattletale. Now, there are certain times in life when you need to be a tattletale, but you don't need to tell us that, that Eli stole your marker or, or he took your ball or, or whatever. You don't want to be a tattletale, but there are certain times in life when you need to be a tattletale. And Nehemiah here was being a tattletale. He went to God. He said, God... All of these enemies that are coming against me, they're coming against you. And he, he told God about him. He told God on them. This was not a defensive prayer. It was an offensive prayer. He recognized that, that God could do a better job of dealing with his enemies than what he could do. If you're facing disappointments, failures, someone who's criticized you, spoken evil against you, tried to ruin your reputation, listen, don't try to get even. That's what the world tells us, right? Think of a good comeback. Make sure it's funny. I got to get even. I got to get one up. What does Proverbs chapter 25 tell us? That when you love your enemy, when you serve your enemy, when you care for and you pray for your enemy, what you're doing is far worse than trying to get even with them. Because Proverbs 25 says that when you love, when you serve, when you pray for your enemy, you're heaping hot coals on their head. You see, the point of life is not to get even, but you take it to God. Turn it over to Him. Look up. Run to God. Call out. Cry out to Him. How simple is that? You say, well, that's a Sunday school answer. I've got all these problems and you're telling me to pray about it? Seriously pray? That's what you're telling me. Yes, it is. Because you see, when we look up, what we find is one who is willing to take all of our burdens, all of our pain, all of our anxiety, all of our depression, and move it onto him. What is anxiety? What is the root? It's fear. We're going to deal with that in just a moment. Number one, look up. Hear, oh God. Number two, show up. Show up. They, they. What I mean by this is they simply showed up and they built the wall. Verse 6 continues, Israel continued to the work. They had a mind to work, verse 6 says. They had a mind to work. Sometimes in God's grace, you just got to keep on going. You show up and you never give up. Now, now, what I mean by this, I don't mean that if you're walking through heartache and pain and disappointments and, 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 and discouragement and, and depression, that you hide over that and you mask over that and you just surf. You you you, tr- you you just try to get your mind off of all of that stuff, and so you serve, and 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 that's what we tend to do, isn't it? Isn't it that when problems happen, I, I'm just going to get my mind off of it, so I'm going to I'm going to you know idle hands the devil's workshop, and so I'm just going to keep busy, keep busy, keep busy. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is when you're plugging into the work of the Lord, you continue to serve. You don't give up. Oftentimes when, 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 when uh, discouragements happen in the church, we, we run away and we say, I give up, I'm, I turn in my keys, I'll just sit right here and, and, and somebody else can do it. I don't need this. And you just give up, you throw in the towel, we leave our church, we leave our careers, we walk out of our families because when the going gets tough, we say, I ain't going no more. Now wait a minute principle we find here in Nehemiah is that when when things came up against them, they didn't just give up. Now they weren't working and masking over their issues, but but they kept working. They kept serving. You see, quitting is not an option for the Christian. Nehemiah made sure that the work moved forward. He never threw in the towel. Number three. Number three is to fill up. Verse 14 tells us to remember the Lord. So often when we get our heads turned the wrong way, we forget about all the good things that God has done. We've forgotten about all about all the great things that our God has done. He said, great is the Lord. Notice what he says in verse 14, the last part of verse 14. He says, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. I want you to underline that word awesome in your Bible because what that Hebrew word awesome there is, it's the same word we just saw earlier in the verse. It's the word fear. Same word. But when it was tied to the enemies, it was fear. But when it was tied to God, it's the word awesome. What does that mean? What does that mean? You see, it means that when we have an awesome fear of God, then we don't have to have a human fear of man. When we have the right sense of fear of God... When when I come into his presence and I understand that God is awesome, that God is good, and I have a holy fear of God, not that he's my cuddle bunny, but he is God, holy God, then I don't have to, think about this, I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I don't have to worry about that diagnosis from the doctor. I don't have to worry about my spouse who walked out on me. I don't have to worry about the job I just lost. I don't have to worry about how I'm going to pay the bills. I don't have enough money. I don't have to worry about anything because I know that God is in control. When we have a holy, righteous understanding of how awesome God is, we don't have to worry. Remember the Lord. You know, the opposite of fear and discouragement is not courage. The opposite of fear is not courage. You know what the opposite of fear is? Faith. The opposite of fear is faith. It's trust. When Abigail, our little five-year-old, when we put her in bed at night, sometimes she she wakes up because she's afraid of the dark. We're in our room sleeping, and she's in her room, and, and... she starts crying, and, and, and Sarah and I, we, we walk in, and we open the door, and we say, Abigail, get over it. Buck up. Stop being a baby. Is that what we say? No. No. What do we say? Run into her room. Pick her up. Honey, Daddy's here. There's nothing to be afraid of anymore. I love you. I've got you. I'm not going to let anything happen to you tonight. As a Christian, as a believer, there's some pretty scary things that happen to us in life, aren't there? Life happens. Life has a tendency of, bringing pain and heartache and disappointment. And when we cry out to God, God is not in heaven saying, get over it, buck up. The Bible says in Romans chapter eight, verse 15, the apostle Paul writes, we no longer live under the bondage of fear because now we can cry out to our Abba, Father. When we cry out to him in our pain, He's there to pick us up and say, I know you're scared. I know that this is not what you had planned, but I love you. I'm here for you. And while you walk through this doubt, when you walk through this fear, when you walk through this area of life, I'm going to be right there with you. Can I give you some of the most practical advice I can give you? If you're feeling discouraged, defeated, depressed, God's Word is the answer. Fill up with God's Word. Remember the Lord. That's the most practical advice I believe that Nehemiah give us. Remember the Lord. Here's what you can do. Get some, get some note cards. Get some note cards. And write down promises of God and place them on your mirror. Put them on your shaving mirror. Put them, put them on your refrigerator. Tape them to uh, your steering wheel. And when Satan comes and when the enemy comes and attacks you and, and tries to bring you down, have on there verses like Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Write down on there Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What about Psalm 34, verse 8, or Psalm 34, verse 4? I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he will deliver me from all of my fears. What about Psalm 27, verse 1? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Get in the word of God. Fill up on the word of God. Remember the Lord. Fourthly and finally, lift up. He says here you have to fight with your family. That means you're not alone. That when discouragement, when disappointment, when, when, when you want to just be alone in your room, on your bed, everybody leave me alone, I don't want to come out. What Nehemiah tells us is that he got all of these people that were afraid. He put them together with their family. He said, I want you to stay with your family, stick with your family, and walk through life with your family. I want you to look around. This is your family. You're my family. I'm your family. And I want you to understand that I know that Satan is lying to you. And he's told you that what you're going through, what you're experiencing, that you're all alone. Maybe he's lied to you and said it's because of what you've done that's led you to this point. Maybe he's lied to you and he's told you that no one is going to understand that people are going to make fun of you because of something. Listen those are lie straight from the pit of hell do not forsake the writer of Hebrews says do not forsake the assembling of yourselves come together so we can spur one another on to good works we come together we lift up one another as Moses was standing there Moses realized that as long as my arms are in the air as long as I hold up my staff the nation of Israel will win but when my arms go down they lose and so he was holding up his arms, and as his arms were going down, there were people there, there were men there who came and grabbed a hold of his arms and held them back up. What a picture of the church of Jesus Christ. You are not alone. Stop walking through it alone. There are people in this church that are walking through, and they need you. They need encouragement from you. They need to talk with you. That's the point of all of this.